book of uh, Nehemiah, as you've been with us, Nehemiah is a book that was, uh, it's in the middle of the Old Testament. The story happens at the end of the Old Testament. There's three books tied together. Esther, which talks about the political climate of the day. Ezra, which talks about a guy who went back to help rebuild the temple at Jerusalem. And then a book of Nehemiah, which talks about the walls being rebuilt. Um, we talked about it in chapter 1. Nehemiah is a cupbearer for the king. He becomes burdened, asked to go. And uh, the king allows him to go, takes an 800-mile journey, gets to Jerusalem. Chapter 2, he surveys it all, figures out what he needs to do, meets with the people and says, let's do it. Chapter 3 talks about all the different people that were involved. And chapter 4, which is where we are now, kind of, uh, we're at the end of chapter 4, talks about all the problems they had. Because anytime God wants to do something and God's people try to do something, Satan likes to get in there. And we've talked about how Satan has worked. And you're going to see it again this morning. But... Um, Satan has tried to get the people to, to, to live in fear. Satan has tried to get them discouraged. Satan has tried to get them exhausted. Uh, Satan has tried to get them to attack from uh, within. Satan has tried to, to, to focus on uh, getting them scared that they were going to lose their lives from without. And every time you watch how Nehemiah directs the people, and you see over and over again some patterns. And, and one of the big patterns that you see is this. Um, he prays about a lot of them. When there's an issue, he prays. When there's something that comes up, he prays. And uh, we talked about last week the, the idea that when they really started to face some things, Nehemiah said, all right, let's pray about it, but let's also put together some things. Let's focus on, what, on the Lord, but let's also focus on what, what we have to do here, what God's called us to do. And um, so they stayed focused on the task. And when we pick up the story, you're going to see the result of that. And here's what it says, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15. And when it happened, when our enemies heard that it was known to us that the God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. Um, when the people start to hear, when their enemies start to hear that the children of Israel had just gone back to work, they were armed, they were ready for them, they were all ready to fight them, basically the enemies back off. Now, you're gonna get, when you get chapter 5 and 6, and seven, you're going to find out the enemies don't stay away. But for this point in the thing, they realize, you know what, um, we're just not going to win this battle. And so one of the things that happens is when they realize they can't, they can't win the battle, they, they, they back down for a while. And you may find out. But in order to find out, what did the children of Israel have to do? They had to decide they were going to fight back. You know, we're going to talk about that in the, at the end, but it's important. When the children of Israel, see, they thought they could just scare them. They thought they said, hey, look, here's what's going to happen. When you guys least expect it, we're coming over the wall and we're going to kill you. And we talked about this last week. So what does Nehemiah do? He says, okay, guys, everybody get you a sword. Get you a bow. Get you a knife. Keep it on your side. And you just keep working. And the children of Israel basically were saying, all right, come over the wall. But know this. If you come over the wall, we will fight you. If you think you're going to scare us and threaten to take our lives, you need to know. We will take you out. And one of the two of us will die. It's either going to be you or it's going to be us, but somebody's going to die. All of a sudden then, the enemies were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we, we, we just, and this is what you'll often find. A lot of people are talk, but when you stand up to them, then all of a sudden it's a different story because they're not willing to pay the cost, okay? Uh, let me talk to teenagers just for a second. Kids, hear me. There are some kids that you just got to stand up to. 
And you got to say, you know what? Um, you're not going to talk to me like that. Um, there are times that you have to take a stand. You have to take a stand. And Nehemiah said, you know what? Look, we're going to keep doing our thing. But if you come over that wall, a sword, a bow, a spear, that's what's waiting for you. And you, I may die, but I'm going to die fighting you because this is not going to happen. So we, we see that. Now, then it goes on. Notice what happens next, uh, verse uh, 16. So it was from that time on, half the servants worked in construction, while the other half held spears, shields, and bows, war armor, and the leaders of, uh, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. What's going on, guys? Um, and those who built it on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had a sword girded on his side as he built, and, one was, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. He said, here's what we did. We got everybody to work, and everybody was ready to fight. Now, this is a subtle principle, but years ago, there's a guy by the name of, of, of Charles Spurgeon, and he was, a, he was a big preacher guy over in England. Um, and Charles Spurgeon used to have a, a, a thing that he was put out and, and kind of regularly published. It was called The Sword and the Trout. It's based on this passage. And the idea was this. The idea was that ministry involves both being willing to fight and being willing to build. You have to do both. A, a, a solid ministry has an aspect to it where it stands for something and fights for something and stands up against something. But it's also building something. Now, that's important. Because here's what you'll see. You'll find ministries that do one or the other. But a solid ministry will do both. Look at the life of Jesus. What does Jesus do? There are times that he stands up against the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and those kind of people. And then there's times that he builds. He does both. And, and both are involved. Um, here, this is a personal red flag for me. Okay? I tend to shy away from ministries that just do one or the other. There are ministries out there that every time you turn around, they're fighting. They're fighting for this, fighting for that, fighting for this, fighting for that. But when you step back and go, okay, what are you guys doing that, that's building up? There's nothing. There's other ministries like, we're just going to build, 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 build. Well, what, what, are you, what, what are you going to, you know, there's some culture issue. Are you going to stand up against them? Oh, no, 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 no. We're just going to love everybody. We're just going to love everybody. We're just going to build, 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 build. Time out. There's a balance here. There's a balance here. And as a church, there are things that we're going to stand up for and we're not going to back down about. But we're also going to try to build. Here's what I found, just personal observation. It's a lot easier to tear down and attack than it is to build. I think it took us all of four hours to tear off what we needed to tear off to do that building. And it's taken us about 14, 15 months to build it. Building is always harder than tearing down. Um, that's why, you know, I watch, these, I watch a lot of these home improvement shows, and I think they should take away the sledgehammers. Because what do they do? They go in and they go, oh, it's demo time, and they just start swinging that thing and tearing everything up. And, and I watch them do some things, and I'm like, you understand? You could save yourself so much time if you just took a cordless screwdriver and took the cabinet off the wall. 
But that doesn't make good TV. You know, okay, honey, you hold it. That's not good TV. Good TV is, you know, swinging that thing around and repping stuff up and all that. And I'm just looking at going, you know, and they, they bust up stuff that, that they've got to go fix. I watched one guy, he let go of the sledgehammer and went through a window. Well, now he's got to go replace the window. Put a screwdriver in his hand, it wouldn't have happened, you know. But it's easy, it's easy, folks. It's easy to tear down. It's hard to build up. It's hard to build up. Kids, 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 listen. Make friends with people who know how to build people up. Stay away from people who only tell, tear people down. Okay? Okay? There's just some, some advice to help you. Okay? Um, adults, gather around you people who know how to build you up not just tear you down, you know, because listen, you know as well as I do, I was, <laughs> I worked for one guy, his, 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 uh, his principle was, uh, I don't, I don't pay people to criticize my workplace, I get people to do that for free, <laughs> you know, and there's some, there's some common sense in that. It's like, you know what, I don't need a whole group of employees that all I want to do is tear everything down all the time. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? So what happens is you have these people who, there, there's two aspects to that. Um, parents, there's two aspects to parenting. There's a fighting and there's a building. And I watch parents do, go to both extremes. I watch parents who they fight everything. And it's like, you know, everything's a battle. Everything's a a big, big battle, 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 battle. And, and, and then I watch parents on the other end. My wife and I see this all the time. All they want to do is build them up and build them up and build them up. And, and it's like, oh, you did, you did so wonderful. You did so wonderful. They colored a piece of paper. It's not going to hang in the Louvre, all right? But yet it's like, I'll build them up. I'll build them. Oh, I couldn't criticize them. Oh, there's no way I can tell. Oh, no, no, no. I will crush there's, well, let me tell you something. When they get 18, you need to know. They go out in the real world. The real world out there doesn't go, oh, you're a flower that I don't want to crush. Oh, that bothers you? Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't worry. We'll change our company policy if it makes it easier for you. No, the real world's going to look at me. You get here on time or you lose your job. Oh, but you don't understand. I had a, I had car problems. Then get a different car. Oh, I can't afford a different car than, than walk to work. You know, the real world doesn't care, and, and, and there's a balance between, okay, picking your battles, deciding what's important. Um, you know, I, that's what I learned in parenting. I learned it a little too late, but I finally think we figured it out, is, you know, you've got to figure out what hills to die on. You know, you've got to figure out what's, what's, what's worth dying over. You know, and those of you who are first children, I feel sorry for you because you're like our guinea pigs. We test everything out on you. And, of course, by the time, by, if you've had a bunch of kids, by the time the last one comes along, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, there's no hill I really want to die on, um, you know. And, and we kind of get to get into that trap, which is just as bad sometimes. Um, there's that balance. Um, and then notice what happens next. I don't know that I wanted to be on this work crew. But anyway, listen to this next passage, verse 19. <clears throat> then I said to the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive. We're separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. He said, look, we're getting all spread out. The wall's two and a half miles long, eight to, 10, eight to 12 feet wide, 40 feet tall. 
He said, we're getting all spread out. We're starting to get up. He said, look, when you hear the trumpet, you, you, you make a beeline for the trumpet because we got a, we got a battle there we all need to jump in to get her on. He said, that's how we'll communicate. Then notice what he says in the next verse, um, which I love, but like I said, I wouldn't want to be on the work crew. So we labored in our work. Half of the men held spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to people, let each man and his servant stay the night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night, working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except for everyone took them off for washing. He said, basically, we just, kept our, we just stayed in the same clothes until we had to wash them. Now remember, this is Jerusalem. It's not 60-degree fall weather. It's hot. It's miserable. It's dusty. And it's like, you know what? We didn't even take time to change clothes. Only time we took them off is when it's time to wash them. We stood right there, we washed them, we put them on wet, went right back to work. That's how dedicated these people were. It's like, you know what? We got a wall to build, and we're not even going to let our clothes stop us. Now, we have not gotten to that point on this project. We might the week before November, uh, before this 19th, but <laughs> we're not there yet. Uh, but, I mean, that's how dedicated they were. They were like, this is, we're going to finish this thing no matter what. And we're going to get it done. So that's the story, Nehemiah chapter 4. Let, let, let me pull a couple principles out and, and things that will help you and I and, as we go into this. Here's the thing. First thing is this. <coughs> Folks, look, there's certain things you need to fight. And I think what's happened in Christianity is we let the world go out there and determine what we say, and, 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 and we start to get scared of them. Because we're afraid if we really stand up, they're going to call us a bigot or... They're going to they're, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna jump all over us. So we kind of just step back and we let them say whatever they want to say and whatever they want to do, and it goes unchallenged. Christianity has to stand for what's right. And when it's wrong, you need to say it's wrong. Some of you are in organizations, committees, boards, whatever else. Where, let me tell you something. The reason God has you there is to be a voice. One of the reasons that I, I have organizations that, I, that, that I'm involved with and I'm involved in some of the leadership where we get to make decisions, and what I've learned is if I don't say something, it doesn't get said. We had a situation a couple, probably a year ago now, where somebody was making a suggestion and involved, it involved doing something on a Sunday morning, and I said, you've got a problem here. I said, you can go ahead and make that decision and do it then. But I said, is somebody who is involved in this community, and I know that you want some of our people to be there. I said, I got 150 to 200 people who aren't going to be there. If they have to make a choice, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is what they're going to choose. And they decided to not schedule it for that. But it took somebody standing up and going, hey, look, guys, listen, no, no. No, this is a bad idea. And I, you go, well, they're going to they're gonna shoot at me. They're going to, okay. Uh, that, that, that's all right. That's part of it. That's part of standing up and, and, and take your stand, let the chips fall where you may. That's what we're up against right now as a culture. We've got this generation out there that thinks you can take a stand without any consequences. And they're going, I, I, I mean, that's what the whole, you know, we're talking about this a little bit in Central. That's what this whole NFL thing's all about. People are going, I, want to, I have a right to, to kneel. You have a right to kneel. Kneel. Oh, I don't understand. 
Everybody's against me now. Because you made a choice. And your choice has consequences. You have an absolute right to deal. And you know what? They have a right to burn your jersey and not support your team. Oh, no, I want them to support my team. I, want them to, I should be able to take my stand, do my thing, and not have any. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. And it doesn't work like that for you and I either. If you're going to take a stand, you deal with whatever consequences that come. And, 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 you know, I ticked some people off when I stood up and said, no. You know, I, this is a bad idea. This is wrong. This is, you do this, here's the consequence. And, and it's important that we understand that. It's important that we be willing. Kids, listen to me. You think that peer pressure ends in high school. And you could not be farther from the truth. Your parents face peer pressure every day as well. On their job, in their finances, in the community, with their friends. Peer pressure is something you're going to face the rest of your life. And the sooner you can learn to be your own person, and the sooner you can learn to stand up and look at the other kids and go, you know what, if you guys want to do that, you go do that. But I, me, I, me, personally, no, I'm out. Oh, you're a that. No, time out. Do what you want. I'm out. It will start to build within you a character, and it will start to build within you a trait which you're going to find you're going to need as an adult. Because if you allow it, everybody will push you in their direction. And you will just go with the flow with it. And here's what you'll find. Leaders, don't go with the flow. Leaders are people who have learned to have the character and the backbone to stand up and go, you know what, do what you want to do, but I'm not going to do that. Okay? And I, I can't stress this enough because I watch this over and over and over and over and again. Well, they won't like me. I won't be accepted. You know what? You're going to find out as you get to be an adult. That is so overrated. And can I be honest with you, kids? Can we be honest for a second? I'm a unique individual. I, I, I'm my own person. Really? Then why are you letting everybody else determine what brand of clothes you wear? Or what headphones you listen to? Or what phone you own? Or what shoes you wear? You want to be your own person? Then go, be, go wear something. Go wear a brand of shoes nobody else is wearing. Or go get, here, here, I tell you what, you want to drive your friends nuts? Go buy a flip phone. <laughs> Where you can't even text, you know? Or even that, if you could find one, go get a bag phone. Look it, up on, look it up on Wikipedia, you'll find out what it is. Go get you a bag phone, you know? But you know what, we get roped into this. Look, sometimes you got to stand up and you got to fight. And this is the thing. When Nehemiah looked at the people and said, look, here's the thing. We're going to fight. They can come over that wall, but if they come over that wall, everybody's got a sword, everybody's got a spear, blow the trumpet. Not only are they going to face what's on the other side of that wall, they're going to face a whole army of people coming over to fight them. Because we are going to stand our ground. Our job is to finish this wall, and we're going to finish this wall. And if you want to come over it and try to stop us, you're going to lose your life. And when they, when they stood up to them, again, they're going to come at it with different things later, but when they stood up to them, the people went, you know what, it's not worth it. If they want to build a wall, let them build a wall. I'm not going to lose my life over their wall. And they walked away from it. And that, that's important. And one of the reasons that, that, one of the reasons that, 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 
kids, and, and I know I'm talking to kids, but I see this so much. My wife and I talk about this all the time. If the culture at your school is wrong, then change it. The reason the culture of your school is what it is is because you're allowing it to be what it is. You're not standing up for that which is right. You're letting the bad kids get away with it. You're letting them determine what it is. Just, just like a church. You can let people come in and start to, to completely destroy the heart of a church. But if you deal with them and face them and fight them and say, no, that doesn't happen here, then they don't win. And that is so important for you to understand. It's that way in a business. That's the way, you know, that's why, you know, smart business people, they find somebody who's being critical and negative and stuff like that, they get them out of there. Because they'll ruin the place. You've watched it. How many of you watched a bad, a bad supervisor come in and totally ruin a department? You know? And, and, and you sit back and go, why didn't leadership deal with them? You know? You watch it all the way across the board. And that's what I'm saying. There comes a point where you've got to stand up. Stand up. Decide what hill you're going to die on, what's important to die on. Second thing is this. Communication and unity are so important. Um, we, we learned this as a church um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were learning this as a church because um, we felt bad. But, but it's, it's part of growing pains of a church, you know. Um, uh, when, when, when Dan passed away, we thought we had communicated to everybody about funeral and all that kind of thing. We realized we, we missed some things. We missed some people who didn't have email. There's some people that didn't uh, see the paper or, or get a call or, or whatever else. You know, we, we missed some things. And, and we felt bad, and we're going to try to do some things to fix it. Because it's important that, as a church, we communicate. That, that's so important. Communication is essential. And, and Nehemiah said, look, we're spread out over two and a half miles, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to fix that thing, and you hear the trumpet. We all going to run together, and we're going to rally together, and we're going to fight them. Nehemiah had decided what, the, what, what, what hill he was going to die on, and it was very simple this. They come over the wall, we're going we're to fight them. We're not going to go outside to their communities and take them on, but they come into our wall, they come over our wall, it's a fight. Fight's on. And, and we will take them out. And if it means we lose our lives, we lose our lives, but we're going to take as many of them with us as we can. And he said, this is how we're going to communicate. When this happens, this is what you do. And so that's what you see with, with, with Nehemiah in that that they communicated, they got together, they, they brought each other together. Parents, oh, parents, married couples, please, please, please. There's nothing more important in your marriage than good communication. You can solve, I don't know how many problems if you can learn to communicate. But I can't tell you the number of people that husbands and wives, they talk at each other, not with each other. And we don't need testimonials, okay? But we, you see it all the time. You see it all the time. And, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll sit down and say, okay, what do you see the problem as? And I'll listen to, to one spouse, and then I'll listen to the other spouse. And here the thing is, it's like, okay, wait a minute. And then you come in and go, this is what I see. This is what I hear you saying. This is what I hear you saying. Oh, we didn't. I never heard that. I know. You're not listening. And it's so important. Communication is so, so, so important. It's so important you're on the same page with your marriage, with your kids, with your family. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I can't stress this enough because we, we, we miss this. And, and, and so often, so often we, we, 
We don't communicate effectively with one another. My wife and I, and any of you who have been around this building project, you've heard this. You need to know. I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to be flippant, and those of you who know me know that I'm not, but, you know, someone will come to me and say, because here's what happened. People look at stuff, and they say, oh, I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to do this, or, hey, this needs to be taken care of, and it's like, okay, great. So they'll co- who do they come to? I'm, I'm the guy, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm the come-to-the-problem guy. Um, and they say, hey, Pastor, what about, you know, hey, I got about this, and, and this is what I say. I say, okay, in my world, here's what I do. I have a list of things that need to happen. Okay? And those things are in order. I, I assign them a number value. And so I've looked at people and said, let me explain to you. You're on problem 3,022. I'm on problem 6. Okay? I'm just saying, in my world, this is where your deal comes in. I'm not saying it's not a problem. But what I'm saying is the list in front of it is this long. Before we get to that, um, my, this is what my wife and I do when we have when we have some, when, she, when there's something bothering her or something bothering me. Uh, one, what we'll say is I'll say, okay, let me ask something, honey. On your scale, a one to ten, is this a one problem, which means barely making the radar, or is this a ten, where we're like nuclear explosion possibility here? You know, because here's the thing: if she looks at me and goes, oh, you know, it's just something that's bothering me, it's like a three. Well, guess what? It ain't making my radar. But if she tells me something and she goes, oh, it's like, a, it's like a 10, then you know what? It moves to an 8 or a 9 or a 10 on my list. See? It, it, it moves up on my list because my goal and, and hers is to be on the same page. So we're always trying to figure out where each other is on how big is this problem affecting your life at this point. And that's a simple little thing, but it's a big thing because then I, that means that I'm hearing her. And, and listen, if you're a person, well, well you don't, because some of you are like this. Well, all my problems are tens. No, they're not. No, they're not. And some of you are on the other end of the scale. It's like, oh, everything's a one. The house is on fire. Well, let me think about how we need to pro- uh, approach this. You know? And, and so for some of you, it's, it's figuring that out. But you've got to communicate effectively. You know? And that's what Nehemiah does. He says, we're going to communicate. So here's what happens. You hear the trumpet? Run to here. Everybody's on the same page. We're ready to get together. We're ready to fight this thing. And the last thing is this. The people here are committed to building this wall no matter what. Now, in this case, I mean, this is like super extreme. It's like we're not even changing clothes at the end of the day because that will take up too much time that we could be putting blocks on the wall. I mean, you know, to take my shirt off and grab a fresh one and put it on is going to take way too much time. In that amount of time, I could have laid like three blocks. Now, we're not at that point. I don't know that there's many projects I've ever had that's been that dedicated to stuff other than maybe when we were in P&G. But, um, you know, and then we, we smelled. We didn't realize how bad we smelled until we got in the van and the guy went, ah, smell of people in the bush. I love that smell. Um, and then we realized we really did smell bad. It was bad. But... Um, you know, these people that are so dedicated to this and it, going forward and making this happen, they're like, we're not even going to, because their focus, and this is what's so important, their focus was getting that wall done. They did not win when the enemy said, we're going to go figure out another tactic. The battle wasn't, I mean, they won that battle, but it wasn't over yet. Because you're going to see in the next couple of chapters, they just come at them with different things. 
what happened is they said, we're focused on getting this wall done. We're going to get this wall done. They knew what they wanted to accomplish. And by the way, they do it in 52 days. I mean, even the unsaved world at that time stepped back and goes, I don't know how they did that. That's amazing. That was a God thing because there had to be so many things that there's no way those people, those uneducated people could pull that kind of thing off. And I just want to challenge you because some of you are frustrated because you have this idea in your head of what you want to accomplish for God, and God's got you somewhere else. And you're going, you know, I just like to do more. I just like to, you know, you know, look, I do what I do because God gave me a gift. God's called me to do it. It doesn't make what I do any more important than what you do. You need to understand that. God's got some of you as a farmer. There's a whole mission field surrounding you of people that you come in contact with all the the time. People at the co-op, people at the bins, people you do business with. Some of you, you own a business or you're involved in a business. Some of you, I mean, teachers, um, you know, we we got professional people in EMT and, and doctors and nurses and police officers and all. Look, God's put you in that world. It might be something, as a cashier, what a phenomenal world to see. I don't know how many people in a given day that you actually have a moment that you can make them smile. Now, my personal task, anytime I deal with a cashier, is try to get them to smile. And I tell them often, look, I don't know how you do your job. Because you have to deal with the public. And good, bad, and ugly, you know. And, and waitresses and waiters and people like that, you know, they, they have a phenomenal opportunity in front of them. And whatever God has put you, here's what you need to understand. Your job is to be faithful. Be faithful. That's what Paul says. Paul says it's required in stewards. It's required in believers, in Christians, people who are followers of God. It's required that you're faithful. That's what God wants from you. Um, the writer of Hebrews said it this way, without faith or faithfulness, it's impossible to please God. You really want to please God with your life? Then just hang in there and do what you're supposed to do. And don't quit. Paul comes to the end of his life and he says, I fought a good fight. I, finished the, I, I, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. I've been faithful. Well, the last thing he says, he goes off to be executed, is, you know what, God? Um, I've done my deal. I've been faithful. I've hung in there. You know why the people finished the wall? Because they didn't quit. Because they hung in there and did what God wanted them to do. They focused on that. Look, some of you, you've got little kids. You want to know what your job is? Be the best parent you can be. Now, if you think you're going to be the perfect parent, you're setting yourself up. You know, a lot of mistakes I made. Um, try to do them right with my grandkids. Kid right now. There's nothing, no plans, okay? So don't anybody go... You know, oh, no, uh, no, that we know of. Anyway, um, you know, but, you know, I've got one job. You know, I, I'm going to try to make up for, you know, try to do things differently. And I try to sit down with my kids and go, look, this is what I did with you, and, and I would wish I would have done this different. Be faithful. As a spouse, be faithful. As an employer, be faithful. You know, you're here this morning. You're, you're, you're faithful to being here this morning. Awesome. That's a great, that, that's part of it. Plug in it. Just keep plugging away at it. Kids, listen to me. 
The world is going to try to pull you away from God. It's going to try to pull you in a direction that, that's not going to help you. And what you need to understand is your job is just to be faithful. Love God. Keep loving God, whether you're 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 80 or 90 or what. You just keep plugging away at what God has for you. Don't quit. Don't give up. You know, I, I, I admire cross-country runners because I could never do it. I try it. You know, I, I wonder what's wrong in your head. You know, one of the kids in the youth group doing these marathons now, 26.2 miles. You know, and I'm thinking maybe if there's like McDonald's every mile, um, you can run to the next one with a White Castle at the end. Yay, finish. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I admire people like that that can keep plugging away because I know I've read enough about the mindset of those people to know there comes a point at which there's a wall that they have to bust through. And they're not going to be able to make that run if they don't make it through that, 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 that emotional, mental, physical spirit, the wall that just says, quit now. And I think, you know, the ministry is so much like that. And serving God, there's so many things that come up that make us want to stop or quit or get sidetracked. And it's so important we just keep plugging through. And these people, this is what you're going to find. Every time they turn around, there's some wall trying to be put up to keep them from doing their job. And they just keep going and going and going going and they get it done in 52 days and the world stands back and goes I don't understand how it happened but you know what it's amazing it's a God thing and God is honored and glorified because of their faithfulness and he will be with you too don't quit don't quit don't get sidetracked don't get pushed aside it's too easy to do too easy to do so I end with this we see a people who would not be intimidated by the enemy they prepared themselves to fight when they needed to fight. They also worked to build something that would help them in the future. They demonstrated to us what people of God look like. Ready for a battle or a trumpet. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ and hanging on to the very end. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's so easy for us to want to quit. It's so easy, Lord, to look at our circumstances and situations and things that we're up against, Lord, and uh, throw in the towel. Lord, it's so easy sometimes when uh, we know we should stand up, but instead, Lord, we back down. Lord, it's so easy for us to allow evil to prosper because good people decide not to do anything. So, Lord, don't let us do that. Let us be the people that know how to build as well as when it's the time to fight. For our parents here, would you watch over, give them incredible amount of wisdom and understanding to know, Lord, when they need to build and when they need to confront. For marriages here, Lord, that you would help us to learn to communicate, to be on the same page, to work effectively. And Lord, for all of us, that, Lord, we would be faithful. And when we come to the end of our life, when we have finished the course that you have for us, May we be able to look back, say that we may have done a lot of things differently, but the one thing that we can say, Lord, is we were faithful and we didn't quit. So use us and be honored with our lives this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. and um, we are